to ask Ryan Roberts, NFL draft analyst for RiseandDraft.com. Hey, how important is how important is hand size? Let's just start with hand size while we're at it. I mean, I you know, just hearing that conversation a little bit, I, I would say for the quarterback position, it's a historical data that hand size does matter a lot, actually. But size no. does matter, Trista. Size does matter. All right. <laughs> Who has it? Who's the most successful quarterback with the smallest hands? Michael Vick, I think, had the smallest hand size of a quarterback that made a Pro Bowl. I think he had eight and a half inch hands. Wow. Joe Maybe Burrow's around nine inches. Wow. Jared Goff's at nine inches. So they're the outliers, if you will. Joe Burrow doing pretty well. Joe Burrow's doing, yeah, he's doing fine. Uh, Will Levis has talked about his cannon. He can't wait to can't wait to get out there and show it off. And look, there's a lot of intangibles with him. There's the size. There's the height. Uh, there's the ability to throw the football uh, really, really far. As he said, he wants to show that he can throw it 80 yards in the air. What do you think of just Will Levis as a prospect? One, but then two, what his potential draft position could be? Because we know how teams get. They get all steamed up about quarterbacks when they got the size and they can throw that football really far. Guys tend to rise up draft boards very, very quickly. Well, I mean, Will Levis is what the NFL falls for every single year, it feels like, right? I mean, he's a guy that has all the tangible things that you can see. You know, you mentioned the arm strength. He's a good athlete. He's got the 6'3", 230-pound frame. I mean, we've done this narrative over and over again, though. Like, you can name the Blaine Gabberts of the Jake Lockers, like – these players always get overdrafted. I, I think that's the intangible part that is so important from the quarterback position. You know, like it, it's, I mean, you just mentioned Joe Burrow a second ago. Joe Burrow doesn't have a cannon for an arm. He's not the most athletic guy of all time, but he knows how to play the quarterback position. He's insanely accurate and he just has an innate feel in the pocket and how to extend and to keep the play alive and, and do all those little things that aren't as quantifiable as a 40-yard dash time, as a broad jump, as a vertical jump. But it's again, this is the league that we're in today is that people are going to look at Will Levis and they're going to hear all the great backstory of, you know, he's a competitive kid and he's got great character and all, and all that stuff might be very true. I'm, I'm not doubting that that stuff isn't true. But when I watch him on film, it just does not match what the hype is right now. You know, he is a developmental prospect, in my opinion, and he's already a 24-year-old kid, a young man who, you know, if I'm a 24-year-old quarterback coming into the NFL, I would I would hope that you would just be a little bit further along because it's going to be a couple years before I think that you could even potentially hit your ceiling if you ever do hit your ceiling. So he's going to get overdrafted. I think that there's a reality that Will Levis ends up being the first quarterback taken. You know, there's wow. going to be some questions, obviously, about – Bryce Young's size, and it's already been talked about a ton. It's been talked about for months, though, at this point. C.J. Stroud, can he consistently work out of out of structure is the big question mark. And then, obviously, Anthony Richardson has the small sample size, and he's you know a developmental prospect like Will Levis is. But Will Levis is the guy that I think people are gravitating towards, and I wouldn't be shocked when all is said and done, whoever ended up ends up trading up to that number one pick with the Chicago Bears to replace that spot, I wouldn't be shocked if it's Will Levis when it's all said and done just because this is the mistake that NFL teams seem to make a lot. Wow. I'm curious, Ryan. So Anthony Richardson, I feel in December and January, was not n- nearly seen as as highly touted as he is right now. You're seeing a ton of steam on him now from what was it, plus – 10, he was 100 to 1 to be the number one, to one. Yeah. at one point. 100 yeah. to 1 to now 7 to 1 in a matter of, of two weeks. Where is that steam coming from? Well, I, I think that it's it's part. So 
it was a really weird year for Anthony Richardson. He had a really nice first game against Utah. Mm-hmm. Then he hit that middle section of the season where it was just like he does, doesn't does look like he's ready, right? Like he needs to go back to school. And that was just kind of the assumption out there that he, that's what he was going to do. And then he ends the season on a pretty good note. And then you come to the offseason. And again, this is the, the cycle that we always go through. Anthony Richardson is going to go to the combine. He's already at the combine, but he's going to test at the combine and run probably high four fours in the 40. He's going to throw the football and the ball is going to come off great. And he has a lot of those tangible things, height, arm strength, athleticism, all those things. And that's the guys that always are draft risers down the stretch, right? Like Bryce Young's aren't draft risers. You know who Bryce Young is and you know who he is for a couple years now. And there's nothing flashy about him, right? He's five, he's going to measure in probably 5'10 and a half, but he's just a really smart, accurate, instinctive quarterback. Anthony Richardson is not that right now. Anthony Richardson is all upside. And every time, this time of year, when you get into the underwear Olympics, to the combine, and then into the pro day circuit, that's the players that rise is the ones that you say, because coaches are coaches are very confident in their abilities sometimes, right? A quarterback coach is going to look at Anthony Richardson and say, yes, he's not ready today, but 6'4", 230, athletic, I can make that work, right? Someone made Josh Allen work, I can make that work. And usually that get you fired you know that mindset usually does get you fired but that's what people are gambling on and that's why you're seeing the rise because he is the type of player that usually does the athletic freaks that's the people that rise this time of year do you think that the josh allen ascension has hurt a bunch of nfl franchises because now they think every big strong quarterback can be josh allen uh, to a degree, I think I think it's hurt both sides. To be honest, you know, it, it's definitely hurt teams because now teams are going to look past those intangibles and they're going to bet more often, most likely, and because they were already betting a lot. But the fact that you see a clear success story, you're going to say, you know, oh, I can replicate that, right? Like I, I have confidence in myself, in the rest of the coaching staff, in my program, that in the right situation, I can get the most out of these really toolsy quarterbacks who are raw. And, but I also feel bad for the other side of it because I think in most years, you know, traditionally, maybe we look at an Anthony Richardson and say, you know, Anthony, late first-round pick, maybe early second to the right situation. You sit a year, you develop, and then we see what you have. You know, it, it, but now we're in a situation where Anthony Richardson's probably going to go in the top 10 of the 2023 NFL draft, and that is unfair to the expectations of himself because that's – I mean, some players – if you don't succeed early, it fractures your confidence, and you're Josh never Rosen. able to get to – exactly, yeah. yeah. And it, if you're put in a bad situation when you're not ready, it can completely kill a kid. Because these are young men we're talking about. You know, I feel, I feel like we lose sight of that. I mean, Anthony Richardson's 21 years old right now, and I think that he needs to be in the perfect situation. In most years, I think late first round, usually a playoff caliber team or maybe a team that's you know getting ready and wants to trade back in the first round and develop for the future – you can ease along with that guy. But unfortunately, you're putting him into a situation where, uh, unless it's the perfect spots, there's a, a high failure rate. You know, there's a high bust factor potentially. And and it also, it seems like franchises won't make the decisions that they need to make by moving on from a quarterback because yep. we moved up to get Trey Lance. We took this yep. quarterback like Zach Jordan Wilson, Love. Jordan Love, at this spot. and And that's really kind of like a sunk cost, right? It, it can be, yeah, for sure. I, I think that there is a the one really interesting factor that I think makes a really good coach, a really good head coach, especially, is you do not you need to know when to hit the eject button, you know, and that goes not only from 
you know, maybe drafting the wrong football player, but also from coaching hires you make. You know, if you hire an offensive coordinator and it's like clear that like this was not a good hire by me because every coach makes bad decisions. Every evaluator makes a bad evaluation. There's always mistakes that happen, obviously, right? But you need to know when the eject button happens. So, you know, for every Josh Rosen or, or a player like that that, you know, didn't get a big window to prove themselves, you do get the the rare occurrences where there's players that you're just like, man, like you're, you're just hanging on to hope a little bit too long there, right? Like that that's probably not going to work out too well. And I think each situation is obviously different, but I really think that the, the strength of coaching staffs and the cr- strength of organizations – understand when they make mistakes. And I I think that there's far too many that are just afraid to admit that they made a mistake. Yeah, I've always just been a big believer in situation dictating so much success for a young quarterback. I mean, it can happen for a young player in all sports, but let's be honest. The spotlight is the brightest on quarterbacks in the NFL. It's the most important position at the, the most important sport in this country right now. It's why I don't blame guys like C.J. Stroud, who basically came out and said, I don't want to go play for the Bears. It doesn't make sense for him to go there. We don't think he's going to go there. But, like, we've seen this before. Guys basically just try and at least do something that they can to move the cards around on the table to be kind of be in their favor in terms of some kind of situation for them. Uh, the Jalen Carter situation, which has nothing to do with quarterbacks, obviously, is, is interesting. Uh, he left the combine, came back. We know the charges uh, that are there stemming from that fatal accident that happened after they won the national championship game. Obviously a very tragic situation. Uh, what have you heard and what do you expect, if at all, for this to affect his draft stock and maybe how teams view him? So when it first happened, I thought it was going to be absolutely detrimental to his draft stock. Like, I mean, after it first happened, because, I mean, it's a terrible situation, like you said. I feel like we're not talking enough about the fact that, you know, two people lost their lives. Like, that's mm-hmm. kind of the core issue here, right? Like, is that, that two people tragically lost their lives, but you fled from the scene of a crime where you had two people murdered uh, that were a part, or not murdered, that two people lost their lives you know, that were a part of your football program, one in the recruiting department and one obviously a football player, it's a really bad look. I mean, we can't, we can't you know, you cannot paint around the fact that it is not a great look on Jalen Carter and the situation that he's in. I will say this, though, from everything that I'm hearing and just kind of my early impulse after my immediate, immediate reaction is that I think he'll have a small slide, but I don't think it's going to be anything substantial because I think that there was a possibility early on that it was going to be a even harsher kind of kind of charge you know down on him but the fact that it's you know what two misdemeanors now I mean it sounds terrible but I think then the NFL is just gonna kind of you know talk to him understand it and then just kind of skate past it you know and it, it's a it's a terrible reality that we're living in that that's the kind of how the situation is going to go but that's really how I did how I think it is like I don't think that Jalen Carter is going to go undrafted I don't think he's going to drop a round or two I think he's still going to be a high first round pick it's just he might not be the first defensive player off the board like he would have most likely been barring a you know catastrophic combine for some reason yeah got about 90 seconds here does do you think that that changes the Bears planets at all in terms of like how many times they could possibly trade down where it's like hey we could get Jalen Carter at Nine, and they've made multiple trades. They trade with Carrot. Like, is that a possibility? Because, I mean, for me, if I'm the Bears, I'm trading it down as much as I can and just stockpiling assets. I mean, you should with that roster, right? Like, yeah. it's not a very good roster right now. That would be ideal. I, I think that as long as you're comfortable with Jalen Carter, it's an interesting idea to do. But, I mean, I guess a little insight is that one of the biggest rumors I've heard this week in, from multiple people is that I think that the Bears have kind of honed in on the guy that they like, you know, with that after that trade back. And I think that's actually Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, as crazy as that sounds. I think that there's a reality 
where if Tyree Wilson and Will Anderson are both on the board, they might take Tyree Wilson, which is just ridiculous in my opinion. But I think that we're going to see one trade back, and I think that they will take Tyree Wilson if he's on the board. Really quick last question. Combine to me, super fascinating. A bunch of players that we don't know a lot about, we get highlighted, right? Kalijah, Canty, Blaze, 4.67, 40-yard dash. He's the size of uh, Aaron Donald. He's faster than Aaron Donald, 280 pounds. How much do you think a player like him increases his draft position because of the combine? I mean, I, I think that I, I, I'm push. I'm still been pushing against his, his his evaluation as high as some people have him. But I think he ends up going in the first round because it, there's some players that test good. There's some te- players that test great, elite, all that great stuff. He tested on a historical level, right? Like four six seven is the fastest forty yard dash time for a defensive tackle since two thousand three. Like that is a fact. So I think someone is going to take a, a chance on him in the first round. And I think coming into the week, I, I still think there was a possibility he might fall to somewhere day two, you know, mid second round. But with the testing that he has, I, I think that he's firmly put himself in the first round conversation. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's you, sometimes the guys just show you you're fast, and everybody's like, "I want fast him." That's, and big. that's yeah. That's he's faster mine. than us, but he's 300 pounds. Well, you know, that's that that shows the athleticism that these big guys have. That's for sure. Ryan Roberts, RiseAndDraft.com. Appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on with us. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much.